everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adela Marcy. And today I am bringing someone very special to you guys that I didn't actually realize they were behind one of my favorite campaigns of all time, uh, specifically for oven fries, because of course I'm a giant child. I actually had them last night and I kept thinking about it, so it's fun. Um, I have the one, the only, the criminally underrated genius that is Rob Waddell. Rob, welcome to the show. Very kind of you. Well, wow, what an introduction, eh? Oh, you are criminally underrated, in my opinion, because I was like, Thank how, you. how do I not know this guy? One of those things. Um, so real quick before we begin, usually I have a sponsor link for like a website today. I don't. You just have to go find him on Facebook. So it's facebook.com forward slash Rob, R-O-B dot Waddell, W-A-D-D-E-L-L dot 101. Reach out to him. He's actually pretty freaking awesome in every aspect you could think of. Um, so with that being said... First thing I'm going to say, uh, oh, the other people that sponsor the show, of course, is greatestcopywriterlife.com and adelmarcy.com. we got to get those two things in there. Go figure your story shit out. Now, let's just jump in because I'm so excited about this. The very first thing I'm going to talk about, obviously, the McCain's Daddy, Daddy or Chips campaign. How the hell did you come up with that? That was really that is, cool. Yeah. That was on par with Got Milk, in my opinion, if not greater than. Yeah. So, uh, oh, background, I kind of spent five brilliant years at McCain Foods can't say enough about how great a company it is and it's still privately owned by family so a lot of the values wow. are really important to me I um, know I th- yeah I think it's uh, it was Canadian Canadian brothers back in the 50s but it's uh, it must be uh, six seven billion Canadian dollars worldwide nowadays something ridiculous like that but uh, yeah the UK business has been really good I was fortunate to join them at a time where we're kind of transitioning uh, from kind of power brand you know american style advertising which is sell the sell the product sell the product um and really uh, what we did was went about the consumer you know psyche and and a kind of feel good factor there's been some brilliant campaigns ever since but the start point was get inside you know the real family environment and understand what the key key the key motivators are yeah and one of the brilliant insights that led to that campaign was the fact that actually mum providing or even dad because they were you know beginnings of house husbands back in those days Mm. providing tea on the table for children that are school age actually no matter what you say the real benefit was that we wanted the kids to eat all the food on their plate so to have a clean plate was the outtake so how do you get to that so the one thing i'm just going to mention here because we might come back to this is the thing that drives me crazy about a lot of the digital marketers nowadays is they don't do their bloody research we'll talk about research later because you do a lot of research yeah. and if you dig into the understanding why people do what they do from a psychological point of view you'll never get a brilliant campaign together so it was all about saying actually the result is um mum wants the kids to eat their tea clean plates but the idea about mm, chips that only really 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 brilliantly tasty if you nick somebody else's chip very okay? true seagulls that was the insight so the the ad agency we were working with at the time brilliant team of guys um creative as well as 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 planning um there was a collective effort so the idea came about is how do we execute the idea of nicely stealing somebody else's chips because they taste better so the idea of and those that don't know the campaign the scene is kids you know after school eating tea at the table dad comes home from work walks in 
and the kids are eating chips and other stuff on the plate. And he says hello to the kids, two beautiful little actresses uh, that play the parts. And what he does is he kind of kisses the, the, the youngest daughter on one cheek. And while she's kind of responding to that, he goes around and nicks the chip from her plate and eats it. The context of all of that storyline is in the background. Uh, the two sisters are talking on the, on the bus coming home. And the line is, Sophie, what do you like best? Daddy or chips? So she's kind of pondering this. So the context is by the time she actually gets home and eats the dish, she's been pondering this for like an hour or so. And then, of course, he nicks the chips. So the closing line is chips. I prefer chips. So that's kind of, but it's the insight. It's the understanding why people want these products, why they're more motivated to buy them. Yep. Very, very true. And by the way, let's be honest, seagulls gave us the exact answer. Freaking love stealing your chips. Oh, I hate seagulls. <laughs> Who doesn't? There's very few things in life that I hate. Um, but yeah, I hate seagulls. I hate pigeons in my garden. They always ruin my garden. Um, and I also, you know, hate certain things about, you know, so be wannabe marketers nowadays that, you know, promise the world, so they're experts oh. and stuff. And they've never actually sold think. products themselves, etc. So, yeah, you know, we can, we can rant or rave about any of those subjects. Oh, man. I have a whole thing. I find it really frustrating when I see copywriters teach copywriting that have less than 10 million in results. And the only reason I set the bar at 10 million is because at $10 million, when you've made your client 10 million, um, it's either that or you've worked with a lot of clients that have done well. But that same point, if you worked with 100 clients, you should get to 10 million fairly quickly. Like if you're a good copywriter, it's very simple to do. But the reason I say you hit that point is because you get enough data points you yeah. figure shit out. You figure out what works, what doesn't work, what people want, what people don't want. You have a solid data set in your head. Um, at that point, you can talk about it. Like, granted, I, 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 the only reason I sent 10 million was like it was an arbitrary number because I hit, I think I hit $10 million for my clients in my first year as a copywriter. And wow. I didn't, that that's was, crazy. It was more than that, to be fair. Like, my first big ad campaign did $6.6 million or like 3.5 million pounds at the time in one week. So, you know, if you extrapolate your head, that. Just, just stop a second. Just get your head around that. One week. One week, seven days, they made three and a half million. And the only reason I know they made that was because my royalty check was 3% <laughs> of the first week's take. And oh, it was, shut up. It was 80,000 pounds at 20 years old, which I wish I could say I spent on hookers and blow. I really wish I could say that. <laughs> or like on ridiculous things. No, I paid off other people's debts. That's what I did with my money. Yeah, I was I was that's a bit cool. more I was a bit more stupid back then. Uh not saying that paying off people's debts uh, debts and helping them is stupid. I'm just saying I should have kept more of the money, but I didn't. So that's yeah. just on me. But in the um, same vein, your thing about data points, let me just kind of say this. The same thing yeah. about things like when we run ad, ad campaigns or when we run funnels or whatever, whatever the process is, you know, you gotta know your numbers and you gotta know the metrics. So unless you kind of one big thing I took out of being 25 years in corporate is actually the things that you, that you have as a measure every week, the things that you track, that's where your focus is. Yeah. If you're not measuring it, you're not tracking it, you're not focusing on it. You're really not. You are so not. I remember that was one of the very first things that they taught me. And considering I'm very, very creative and I hate spreadsheets, yeah, that took me a while. The other, I'd say the one upside I have is because the the breadth and depth of the research that I've gone through is I've got to a point where I kind of just know how people think. Yeah. So I don't really need to do as much research anymore. It's 
I know who that person is. Here's what their psychology is saying. <laughs> like logically and emotionally bring it down. I've been wrong. Put my hands up. I have been wrong before. And that's when you go back to my research, which is fine. But that being said, I did want to ask you, how do you conduct your research? Because, you know, I'm not going to go and spill how I do it. Because again, I did spill it on that training with uh, our very good friend, Manny. Um, but specifically, I want to know, how do you do your research? Uh, well, let's try and be a little bit more precise and kind of help anyone that's yeah. listening in. So let's just take um, LinkedIn or Facebook as a platform. Yeah. Okay. So um, let's start with Facebook. Um, LinkedIn's less easy to do, but there are tools to do that. So let's say you're working with a client and you've got to build a, a marketing campaign and you've got to understand their, their consumers or their, their ideal target audience. It's a load of information on Facebook that people don't even know is there. So if you've worked with people and you can pull out real people that you've had real results with and say, I want more people like that, you can, and, and I've do this plenty of times, you can go to those people's profile on Facebook. It's going to be a bit sneaky, really, but it's the way it works. And if you go to uh, click on the profile and look in the about section, for example, and start digging to what they like, what they follow, you will quite quickly get a flavor or a sense of that person's personal preferences. It might show you what books they're reading. It might show you who they're following as a big celebrity. It might show you who they're following as an influencer, but it might also give you other stuff like um, pages that they follow or like. So sometimes you could think, oh, this person is like this. And you go into their profile and suddenly find out that they're heavily into mindfulness, which you may not have known before. Mm -hmm. So if you get commonality, let's say you're looking at 10 people, you might find that there's two or three things which they have in common, things which they are into in whatever phrase you know, that that means. You can then build that when you come to building, for example, Facebook advertising campaigns. You can go in and you can find those similar interests. So you can do research like that just as a kind of a top level. But the more you can understand where they're coming from and what they do in terms of behavior, the more likely you are to be more right than more wrong. Let's put it that way. You can't be precise, but you know it's, it's directional. If you go onto LinkedIn, for example, you can use uh, either the basic profile and actually you can see who they're connected with, who they're following as well. That information is, is readily there. So you can pick up some, some fairly good information there. Um, the, the stage beyond that is actually doing proper research. So you could do a simple, uh, even a simple Word document or a Google sheet, and you can literally ask people a series of questions about preferences, likes, dislikes, loves, hates, passions, whatever it happens to be. And you can invite people Free of charge, no, no, just do me a favor. Can you please just fill out this form? Because I just want to get an idea about what, what you really love to do. And people are generally quite willing, you know, and that's part of the social network stuff. If you can build a good community around you, people actually are quite willing to help you. So you could actually ask direct questions and do research that way. Um, if you go back to LinkedIn, another way of doing it is if you go into uh, some of their paid for tools, um, something like Sales Navigator, you can get a free month. Um, if not, it costs around about £60 a month. And you can profile by company, by size, by, you know, loads of diagnostics. So you can actually build a good picture for your target audience in that way. So there's just like two or three examples. Um, the fourth example, which would be great to do, but people don't do this, kind of back to my kind of corporate brand days, we would get a focus group together. We would literally pay, hire a research room with a, you know, a two-way mirror, get eight people in a room, 
and know how you're going to present some concepts to them and ask them for some feedback. That is so brilliant because you get real people giving you real opinions. I've done it for brand design, pack design, conceptual stuff, um, you know, pricing. You can do it for course content. Absolutely. Anything you like. If you know what your topic is, it's just a case of having a structured opinion uh, about how to go about it. And uh, I have to share this because my wife is is brilliant. Um, She always tells me, Rob, you've got two ears and one mouth. Use them proportionately. So we love to talk, but actually it's more important to ask a question and to shut the fuck up and listen. Definitely. It's one of the key things that like very few people do. It's actually uh, interesting. I was on a sales call a couple of weeks ago, like maybe a month ago. I remember someone going, yeah, extroverts are amazing salespeople. And I was obviously doing my hot seat and both me and the coach were there. We were having this conversation like, no, that's not true. Like she's now become my coach, but she was like, um, not for sales, but for other stuff. She's like, yeah, no, I'm an introvert and one hell of a salesperson. I was like, I'm an extrovert. I'm one hell of a salesperson. The difference is I learned to shut the fuck up when I actually asked a question. That's all it is. Extroverts out there. You want to get good at selling? Learn to shut the fuck up. Yeah, I learned that, you know, literally you can you can have a call, you can have a script. There's loads of scripts out there and you can do that. Use it as a framework. But I'm terrible at filling the gaps and filling the void if it's silence and learning to ask the question or position your offer or whatever. And then just be quiet and don't worry about it being silent for 30 seconds. Wait. Yeah, they're just thinking and take it this way. I think Jordan Belfort, for all that he is, said this brilliantly. He said, whoever speaks first in that moment loses the sale. Probably very true. Because like what you're what you're feeling to do, especially if you're like, oh, I've got to say something in this, you're gonna blab and distract them from making a buying decision. Absolutely, yeah. Distraction is key. Yeah. yeah. Let them think it through. Let them just listen. Absolutely yeah. just listen. Makes yeah. all the difference, really does. Definitely. Okay. So there is like a whole nuanced way of doing like focus groups. And it's quite interesting. So I was talking to someone the other day. Um, Isn't it really funny how, what used to work? Oh, it was Rocky. Rocky, uh, you know, Rocky, don't you? I do. I don't know the same surname, but anyway, he's coming onto the show soon enough. But he and I were discussing this. It's funny how much of what works gets pushed to the side and be like, look at the new shiny thing. Yeah. And you're like, Dude, the old thing still works. Like I know people that are still killing it with articles, like yep. literally making like two to three thousand dollars a day on just articles. And people yep. are like, um, really? I'm like, yeah, that strategy is about ten or fourteen years old, and it still kills it. Well, let me tell you something. Last night I was doing some ads training, uh, and I pulled up the old ADA model. So those that don't know, it's the acronym AIDA. It's a bit old hat. People don't know it's been around for literally over 100 years yep. since its incept, made famous in the 60s by David Ogilvy, etc. But the ADA model of awareness, interest, desire, action is the customer journey. People talk about no like trust, it's the same thing. People talk about funnels, it's the same thing. It's yep. literally never heard of you, don't know anything about your offer. I'm now aware of something put in front of me. I'm mildly interested in it. I've actually got desire to do something about it, and now I'm going to call to action, do something about it. Those models are still sound okay nuances but yeah people forget and that's why i kind of i get frustrated i'm, I'm very strategic and go back to those yeah. well to be fair it's one of those things i've realized it's i don't mean to say one may i say may sound insulting but it isn't it's having the old head of advertising that really 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 gets you to go oh you stupid little children 
And I can say that because I've got 20 years of experience in this world of doing that. And yes, I have multiply called people stupid little children um, because they are and they don't know what they're doing and they think they're the greatest thing ever. It's like, dude, you're, just, oh, you're ripping off stuff. Um, but aid is a great model as well, which works. No, I can trust is another one. Feel felt found is another one that so few people use. It's like if you're, get, if you're struggling, do the thing. And of course, my favorite thing ever uh, made famous by Gary Halbert, and that's my cat saying hello, by the way. Chase is co-hosting per usual. There are no children <laughs> in here. Um, and it's the idea of just sell the damn thing. If you're stuck in what it is, just sell the damn thing as if you were telling your best friend about it. Um, yeah. And, and it's incredible. And by the way, if you really want to see a good way of AIDA, Ada, uh, go, pull up, go on YouTube right now and pull up Glenn Gary Glenn Ross Ada. Because uh, Alec Baldwin, I think it is, does an absolutely killer job of delivering that training. Nice. Uh, have you have you ever, you've never seen? I've it not before? seen it. No, no. I'll Dude. have to pick the link for me later on. Yeah, there's a really good scene in it where he goes, "Coffee is for closes." That's where that comes <laughs> from. Is coffee is for closes, and it's uh, it's all about. Um, no, I don't drink coffee, so I know you don't. Yeah, I'm one of those weird people that doesn't that doesn't. But um, the whole movie is basically around a used car lot. And uh, how corporate has to send in their best sales trainer to stop these guys. And it's like, A-I-D-A, attention. Uh, what was it? Interest. Interest. Desire, desire and action. action. Yeah, he's like, attention. Do I have your attention? Okay, interest. Do you want to make more money? Do you want to drive this car off the lot today? Desire. Why do you want to do it? Let's get out there. Make them feel like they're going to be having a great time. Take them for a test ride. And then action. Get them to sign on the dotting, dotted line. Drive that car off the lot today. So, yeah. yeah, no, that's great. I'll have to look at that. It's uh, let's just talk about um, desire. Yeah. Um, because yeah. kind of and just tell me, tell me, yeah, but for me, it's about passion. Um, yeah. and you know, that's kind of, kind of part of my branding is you know, live and breathe your passion. If you're not passionate about it, and when you, you talked about you know, pitching to a friend or making an offer to a friend, if you can't feel or sense through body language that you absolutely love this and you're passionate about what you do it comes across. So if you are into personal selling, unless you actually do feel that this is really good, mm-hmm. you won't make a sale very easily. Nope. So, you know, go from the heart. Yeah. But, but, but leave in what you're doing. If you don't believe in what you're doing, get out really. I used to, when I re- recruited people and I had these kind of marketing teams, etc., I would say to people straight, you know, why are you doing this? And it's kind of a question which I'll, I'll, I'll probably post on social media next time around. It's almost like, do you love what you do? And why do you, why did you get into what you're doing? And if you don't love it, get out. I don't want you in my team. If you're not passionate about this thing and you're just here for 12 months to cruise, I don't want you. Um, and it comes across in sales as well. Really Choose the thing you're passionate about. Choose the thing you're passionate about. And it, it will come across in spades. Talk to someone about what you do it will come across, you know, so the last kind of part of this modeling thing is kind of like, what do you see? What do you hear? What do you feel? You know, whenever you're talking about these subjects. So I'm kind of slightly off, off piece, but. No, um, no, no, that dude, that, that completely 100% on board with you. Do not even apologize. I'm right there with you. The example I'm going to give you guys as an idea is um, my buddy, Chase Hughes, arguably one of the greatest body language experts in the world actually taught me this. And it's like, where you speak from is where you are heard. So if you're speaking completely from the wallet, guess where they're hearing you? The wallet. 
if you're speaking from the heart, they can feel your passion. If they're speaking from your mind, they can feel it. I, like before I did this training call, like uh, about two hours ago, I literally was on another coaching call um, where I was, you know, helping, I was speaking at a small online summit and stuff. Oh, not small. It was a great online summit. And I just went off on this idea about how people write copy, specifically the centered text mofos. Freaking hate all of you. Seriously, you annoy the shit out of me and you'll be shot and like clipped in the hands. That's how much I dislike you. And when I say centered text, I mean the whole sales letter is centered text. It's like they've never picked up a book by um, Ro- Rudolf uh, Flesch. Mm. By the way, great. If you've never, I'm sure, have you heard of Rudolf Flesch? Or- no, I'll be honest with you, I haven't. Yeah, most people haven't. So Rudolf Flesch, and this should really, anyone listening, this should really give you an idea of how nerdy I am around this. Uh, Rudolf Flesch was actually, I think he was either German or American, but he was behind why and how we learn language today, essentially. It's his fault the schooling system is the way that it is <laughs> because he teaches you how to read in a way that works. He's like, he wrote the book, I think he wrote a book called Why Johnny Can't Read is like one of his most famous books. Um, but yeah, all his lessons on how to write and how to read and how to communicate to become a better writer, speaker and thinker are insanely good. They were written, like, they were, they were written 90 years ago and they work brilliantly. And everyone's like, oh, whatever. I'm like, you guys are breaking basic rules of language mm. and you're making it more difficult to sell. I, I was literally critiquing a sales letter for a client the other day. And uh, one of the key things they said to me was like, oh, it doesn't look like you've done all that much. I was like, yeah, your copy is good. What's terrible is the way it's presented. You can have I think a great you also said You also said something once a few weeks back that kind of really resonated is that you actually did it some in training, um, actually probably a couple months back now. And it's like, write the words and read them out loud. And if it doesn't sound right, reading them out loud, it's not going to come across to the reader because yeah. we hear it when we read it in our heads. Yeah. It's so, so powerful, especially like what you tell people is like, give it a day, like read it one day after you write it, because it gives you time to decouple and come out and like, Oh yeah, I'm not so much in love with my work anymore. Um, <laughs> which is brilliant. That's so, actually a really good discipline for any, any email. If you emotionally write something, if you're angry about something and you want to respond quickly, write it, draft it, park it, come back to it again. You know, it will come across better the second time around. I kind of realized this today. I actually do not have an angry tone. And I know <laughs> that because you're one of the few people probably. No, I know that because like I was ranting during a freaking video critique about how annoyed I was at my friend. And I, I was listening back to it. I was like, do I sound angry in this? I was like, no, I just sound like I'm speaking very quickly. So I'm like, if you don't know I'm angry, you will never know that's me being angry. So like, no, that's you, you will with me. I'll tell you. Yeah, I can. I, I, kinda, I, I have this kind of real fire in my belly and that's how I can measure my level of, of interest. You know, if I back, back to you, you know, when you speak it, if it comes from, you know, the heart, or it comes from the throat or it comes from high up here, yeah. it, it won't come across as well. But yeah. if it kind of comes from, you know, your diaphragm and, and the pit of your belly, then you yeah. know it's going to come across with that kind of energy. Why well, I always tell people the torso is the best place to come from because that's where your diaphragm lives and your heart and your lungs and everything else in between that you need. Um, but kind of one of the things I did want to ask you as well was like kind of this idea of mindset and marketing, because there's a lot of people out there that are going through what we call the entrepreneurial burnout, mm. where it's like, yeah, I've made money. Oh no, I'm failing. I don't know what I'm doing. Yes, I do. What do I do? Ah, it's this roller coaster of stuff that kind of happens and we're all susceptible to it. But in the time that I've known you, Rob, it just, and this is again, purely observation as an outsider, because I could be 100% wrong. It feels like you kind of have an even keel on it all. So my question to you is, how did you 
well, how do you do that, A? And B, what advice do you give to people who are on that roller coaster? Because I find it's usually in your 20s and early 30s you're hitting that roller coaster. Yeah, and, and I've been there and I got burnt out, you know, 25 years of corporate and doing the drudgery, et cetera. So I, I get that. I guess there's, uh, in no particular order, um, two or three key lessons for me. Um, and it's, it's probably more recent than the last 10 years. The first one is actually to learn to let go of the outcome. Don't put yourself under enormous pressure that whatever you're doing, if you're trying to finish a project or you're trying to make a sale or you're having a one-to-one consultation, you know, let go of the outcome and relax. The outcome will be the outcome. But if you put so much emphasis and importance upon the result, it will come across that way and you will tense up and you will feel more tense. Nowadays, if I have a conversation with someone, I try and give them some clear advice or give them some tips or something like that. They could take it, they can take it or leave it. If they use it and they get a result, brilliant. But I don't ever now worry about are they actually going to do something with it? So letting go of the outcome for me has been one of the big lessons in the last 10 years. Don't get so het up about it. If you've done <laughs> your research, if you know what you're going to the direction wise, and you've put a good plan in action, let's come back to that second point, is let go of the outcome and it will be what it will be. Then learn from that. If it doesn't work out, then go back to your beginning of your process. What do you do? So the second thing is planning. People nowadays don't plan. Yeah. Okay. It's and one of the one of the kind of things which I kind of really bolt against, and, I, and I've got some sympathy with it, is this old um, um, you know, ready, aim, fire is the old one. But nowadays people prefer to say ready, shoot, fire. aim, whatever, you know, the other way around which is great from a learning point of view, but it means you go scattergun. And, and one of the biggest things I find is people don't do a marketing plan. So what are you going to launch? When are you going to launch it? How are you going to launch it? Put some time in and do the old 80-20 rule. We, we, we learned this and it works, it works, it works, it works. 80% planning, 20% execution. Get your ducks in a row. So if you know that you're going to launch something, don't beat yourself up. You've got to launch it by next week. Put some more time into, okay, I'm going to launch it, I don't know, 1st of July, you know, three months from now. What are you going to do to get to that great result and plan it? Because then you get more relaxed and you don't get so stressed about having to do everything today. Put it into chunks, into blocks. Real simple thing, and I, and I do this all the time with my clients, get a calendar. You know, we're, what, we're doing this recording now, um, beginning of May, late, late April. Get your calendar out. You've got, you know, seven months, eight months before you get to Christmas. So plan it by month. So literally list your activities. These are the things I've got to do to make this a super, super successful launch. Plan out your months and then break it down, right? That key activity. What's the first, second and third thing I need to do? It will give you so much more breathing space because then if you've got people you need to outsource it to, you can then say, right, I've got to get that done, but I don't have to do it this week. I can do it next week as long as I get the result of that bit of work in two weeks time. So just do some simple planning, a bit of pen and paper for Christ's sake. Do it electronic. I don't care how you do it, but work out how you're going to get there. You're starting at point A, your launch is point B. How are you going to get there to give you the best result? And that will take the pressure off you every single day. And the third thing is don't beat yourself up if you're having a bad day. Really don't beat yourself up. You know, entrepreneurs, it's really, really lonely. You're sat at your desk, sat at your PC or wherever you are, and you're on your own and you're in your own head. If you're having a bad day, don't worry. Tomorrow's another day. But 
the kind of the priority for me is to say to yourself, of all the things I've got to do, how do I prioritize? And I'll give it a little tool in a moment. How do I prioritize? And I keep saying this to myself over 20 years. What is the most valuable thing I can do with my time right now? And just do that. What is the most valuable thing I can do with my time right now? It might be go for a walk yeah. to relax. It might be listen to a bit of guided meditation if you're into that kind of stuff. It might be take a nap. Yeah. Absolutely. There's, there's, you know, a couple of guys I know that are really, really, really hugely successful, including you, and you're just okay. going to take a nap. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and that's cool. And, and don't beat yourself up for it. Um, and, yeah. and this thing about the roller coaster, you're in a dip, but as long as your trajectory is upwards, not downwards, then you're going to be fine. So that, they're the three things for me. Um, planning in the center to all of that can help you enormously. And, and don't beat yourself up. There are millions of us, you know, out there all struggling. Find other people to talk to, you know, share some stories, you know, get some bouncing boards around there. I'm quite happy sometimes just to have this kind of conversation and give people some direction. Yeah. I mean, this is something that really, really does help with a lot of people and they don't really see it. So kind of going back to what you were saying there and the way that we work, beating yourself up sucks because there's no point kicking yourself when you're down. Life is already doing that job for you. Give yourself a little <laughs> bit of a hug instead. Um, and one of the key things I've actually found during those moments is you might be down right now, but compare that to where you were a year ago or even five years ago. Because I can tell you right now, I remember like, um, oh man, so I'll give you guys a personal story. I spent like five grand on a coaching thing and I was like so into it. But the problem was I was waiting for a payment to come in. And because I'd already given my word that I would buy this program from this coach, I'm like, okay, I'll give them the five grand. And I know this other thing is coming. I don't know when it's coming, but it's supposed to be here already, but it's late. Okay. So I'll just follow up on that one. Pay the coach, whatever happens. And I get caught in this middle point with my pants down. So I've got no money. I am completely broke and I have bills coming out. I'm like, what the shit do I do? I tracked that back to about three years prior and said, you're in a similar situation three years ago, except for you didn't have the resources. You didn't have the mindset. You didn't go through the stuff already. You mm. didn't know the way out. What do you do? And I said, what's the most valuable thing I can do right now? And it was go into the bathroom and well, go to the bathroom and have a shower. But the other thing that really helps as well is just masturbate. Like sometimes that helps. Just go jerk off and take a nap. You kill me. <laughs> hey, if you've ever seen The Wolf of Wall Street, it definitely works as a thing. But I, at that point, I think it was, I was like, okay, you need to jerk off. Or I can go like, you know, take a shower. I was like, I'm going to go take a shower because you don't, by the way, I always found it weird that people jerk off in the shower. I'm like, A, how is that possible? Like water and friction, just weird enough as it is. And B, you're clogging up your own drains. <laughs> think about it. Um, you know, just as a side, okay. just as an oh, aside. Okay. Yeah. So I've, I've got to get this picture out of my head now. But um, the reason, by the way, the only reason I know Because God, is, you're an attractive man. But now you really got me going. It's like, <laughs> yay, half done. Thank you very much. But no, what I was getting at was, um, by the way, the only reason I know this is because of my, I think it was my second or third year as a copywriter. The guy that I was mentoring under, uh, the, my one of my original mentors, Alex, he basically sent me a, a, a really good newspaper headline from uh, Toronto, which said uh, McGill University students told they are no longer allowed to mastery in the shower. And it was just like this huge article about how they were breaking the plumbing system and costing McGill oh, no. University like seven grand a year to fix it. And they were like, what the shit are you guys doing? So I found that hilarious. And it's just stuck in my mind ever since. And by the by, if you really want to know how you can use this for your research is look at your research in everything because you can take that exact same story and switch it from masturbating in the shower to 
what you're essentially doing with your money is the equivalent of jerking it off and putting it down the drain, breaking your pipeline and systems. Okay. I knew you'd bring it around somehow. Yeah, there's a way. There's, there's a method to my madness. Okay, but I'm going to try and make this a bit cleaner. So when you're in the shower as well, you tend to have brilliant ideas. That too. I was actually going so back to that. Try to, yeah, try to capture them somehow. You know, some people have got, you know, whatever, Alexis shower or something hats. close by. There's an actual like, thing that allows you to write in showers, like shower notes. It's the craziest thing, like how we got to this point in technology, we can literally write in the shower. That's one. The other one I found is when you're going for a number two as a guy. I don't know what it is about guys. We just like going for a number two and staying in the toilet longer than we need to. Ladies, if you're listening, this is just really what we do. We're pretty much done in 20 minutes. We're there for another 25 minutes for some peace and quiet. Um, but you come up with great ideas. I've like I have literally two notepads in my bathroom and one by my bedside at all times, just simply because I never know when a good idea is going to hit. But there is a reason I bring this up. And it's quite simply, when you're going through the process of understanding exactly how you can come up with ideas and what you need to do, relax. By the way, the reason that showers help is um, you are in a state of calm. And because the water kind of reminds you on a very, 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 very deep subconscious level of being back in your mother's womb, what mm. happens is that you naturally kind of like relax and drop your shoulders and rest. And in that moment, your brain goes from a very tightly wound fist to a very open, relaxed hand. And when it hits that, all that creative idea that you have comes flowing back out. Yeah. It, yeah. It, and your brain gets stimulated by the kind of the, uh, the, the sensory perception as well. And the water drops on the, on the head, et cetera. So yeah, I love exactly. that. Yeah. It's one yeah. of my favorite, that's one of the reasons why um, anywhere that I, I live, one of the very key features I look for is the kitchen. But the second one is the shower. I want to see how good of a shower it is. So if you have a terrible shower, get a uh, get a bucket and essentially just fill it up with water and dump that on your head. Trust me, you'll feel a lot better in the end. Make sure I have you're... to say we we've got a jacuzzi as well, which is uh, which is oh, the other way of doing it. That's the best way to do it. Yeah, cool. So have just jacuzzi, can... get some candles, get some smelly stuff, and just you know just chill out for thirty minutes. By the way, I will admit that's one thing I absolutely freaking adore about men in 2021 that I just love is that we've kind of relented from this whole macho bullshit. We're going to smell bad and all this stuff. He's like, no. Well, let me let you into a secret. I, I've got to start. Let me in a secret. Uh, one Go of my it. first jobs was working for Clairol hair care products. Ooh. Uh, we did we did launch a load of styling aids. It was back in the 80s and it was uh, where L'Oreal studio line was new or newish, don't be around a few years. Anyway, part of our research, the back, back the importance of research we did, is I ran some focus groups with blokes talking about hair styling products. You know, so fragrances is one thing, but the number of guys that when they actually felt relaxed in a room of other guys would start saying, yeah, I use my girlfriend's mousse because it's bloody freaking good. And people weren't using gels and waxes and mousses those, in those days. But when you start talking to, you know, um, guys about something and they feel they can, you know, share it and they're not going to get caught out or something. It's just, just it was such fun just listening to them. And because of that, we were able to brand the products with a little bit of masculinity as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, shocking pinks are, are fine, but, you know, the hairstyling products were, were a great outcome. And, you know, look at L'Oreal's success since then and all the products that have come. But cosmetics, yeah, it's a whole different ballgame. What's really interesting about that, kind of going back to it as well, look at it from the perspective of, by the way, if you're struggling to sell your product to your main audience because it's dried up or we need new ideas, there's too much competition, sell to your competition. Like sell yeah. to the people that wouldn't buy your products and find out how you can do so. Uh, and by the way, this all comes back to research. Like literally all comes back to research as Rob has just said, figure it out. Because at the end of the day, believe it or not, you will find 
absolute gems when you talk to the people that you're not supposed to sell to or yeah. not supposed to sell to. And the last little bit on that, if you don't mind interrupting, is, is find something that works really, really well and yeah. talk to people that love those products and then ask them, what do you like about them? Yeah, and you get all the good stuff and then say, okay, but what little things don't you like about it? Or what little things would you like to be better? And that's where you'll find your competitive advantage because if you build upon the ways to improve it, so Procter & Gamble, you, you know, used to do this really yep. effectively, you know, get the negative feedback for something that they like and you would dig into some of the key ways to differentiate yourself if you can, you know, put your offer or your product together, which focuses on those elements, you know, mm -hmm. so don't copy. I hate copycats. Nope. Find your angle, find your point of difference. Yep, there's a bunch of ways to do this. By the way, even going as far as stating the bloody obvious sometimes works. Like uh, one of my favorite examples for this, Mad Men ripped it off for episode one with Lucky Strike, but the original is actually from our good friend Claude Hopkins. May he rest in peace. Um, what he wrote was about Budweiser, which was everyone knew that beer was made, like no one knew that beer was made from hops and barley. They didn't know this. So Budweiser writes, we wrote, we use the best hops and barley and like mountain spring water and all our beer everyone else used the exact same formula no one talked about it yeah they were the first now that now they're ahead um and going back to the whole thing with the whole negative side of things it kind of comes back to the whole adage which is if you have skeletons in your closet don't hide them yeah. bring them to the forefront actually talk about the disadvantage because it gives you like obvious disadvantages so it could be something like uh all right, Rob, give me just a random product so we can really break this down as an idea. Uh, coffee. Okay, coffee. Perfect. Let's say that you are, you're Kenko. You're, you're, you're very, a very normal base brand that everyone drinks. It's wide distribution Kenko coffee. Um, how do you like disadvantage that? Let's just say your audience says, I really like the taste. It's really good. It's cheap. The price is great. But you know what? It doesn't hit the spot for me. It's just, it, it's a good fix, but oh compared to like say uh, i don't know any coffees because again i don't drink coffee but like what's a really good brand of coffee um lavazza lavazza okay let's just say it has nothing on lavazza i don't know if this is true but like let's just say there's nothing on lavazza now what you do that is in your advertising you can literally go back and say if you were writing a letter or doing an ad you can say hey we know you like we know you love lavazza uh, we know you love other leading brands that are premium coffees out there. And we actually adore you. Hell, even some of our executives and me who's talking to you right now, we wouldn't say no to a cup from some of our favorite premium companies out there. But you know what? None of them can get their coffee out to you as quickly as we can and keep you going throughout the day. We aren't your premium coffee brand. We're the everyman coffee brand meaning everyone knows us, everyone likes us, everyone knows that we deliver good quality product just for you to get by. Go with Kenko. That right there, you're already pointing out that you're not the best. Yeah. You're already pointing out where you differentiate and that comes from research. Um, yeah. I saw a really good ad the other day for a shoe company that was like $129 and the whole ad literally read, yeah, we know we're expensive, but because we're expensive, we can get the best products and materials. And if yeah. we didn't get the best products and materials, we wouldn't be the most expensive. Yeah. And you wouldn't enjoy our products as much. Yeah, there's so, an Australian boot company that just 100% focus on that. Yeah, which boot company? Yeah. Do you know? I just, do you know what? I just, <laughs> was, it name's gone. was it Ant or was it the other one where they use recyclable 
I can't remember to be honest with you. I, can I, it just, it just kind of, the, I think I know which one you mean. Hey, yeah. there's a job. There's kind of brand awareness campaign needed there. Um, yeah. the, the other thing as well is kind of um, in this country, in the UK, Avis, we try harder. We're not going to be number one. Hertz are number one, hire company, but we will pride ourselves to differentiate ourselves on customer service. That's another rant of mine. Where is customer service nowadays? It is Gone. shockingly bad Gone. everywhere. So differentiate yourself on customer service is still, no, probably more important nowadays and a bigger opportunity nowadays than it has been. Oh, yeah. People have terrible, every day I have a terrible, terrible experience through lack of replies, telephone I'm holding on for half an hour, what, you know, and the same thing for fulfillment on digital products even. Mm-hmm. Set yourself out um, and you know, a couple of funnel companies could be criticized for being very poor customer service. Whereas actually there is one, you know, business that has focused on absolute priority is customer service and satisfaction. And you differentiate it and you get raving fans that way. So, you know, you used a great example with the coffee, you know, being number two, we try harder. So you buy on convenience, you buy on quality. Sometimes you buy on price, but you don't really get differentiation. Don't be a commodity. Don't go down the price route because you it's the lowest cost differentiate on quality differentiate on positioning absolutely cool yeah that's so true it's so true like that is something that very few people even look at from that perspective and by the way just even admitting your own losses we're like hey man i dropped the ball let me try and get this right back up even owning your mistakes is a massive differentiator in how you handle things and yep. i can say this because one of the things that i've learned very very early on in my copywriting career um, I took a payment from a client and I couldn't fulfill on the payment. I just couldn't like for whatever reason I couldn't. So I emailed them back saying, here's your money back. Thank you so much for doing business. Their only response, holy crap, you are the first copywriter I've met that actually gives back the client their money for not being able to do their job. I was like, isn't that normal? They're like, no, that same client went on. In- so basically put it this way, the client paid me five grand, which was the most one-time payment I had at that point. I refunded him painfully two weeks later i had got six new clients all at seven and a half thousand a piece <laughs> not because i closed them he closed them for me wow i actually told him look i was going to pay him 10 pay him seven and a half up front you will have an integral person in your system yeah and nowadays it's even more important you know because there's lots of uh men and women that are personal branding you know and you know money we know personally very very you know personal branding is really important yeah and it's 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 fine to tell you know all the nice stuff all the testimonials you know why people rave about you but of course you're going to promote the good stuff but you know be transparent about what you are i'm quite happy to admit my mistakes and there's there's also back to kind of like traditional stuff that works really well just an an adjunct here Mm -hmm. a guy called damon burton i'll give a shout out for because i really admire him you know he he runs a search um, seo agency has done for years but he's so genuine that, you know, he will sometimes post that, you know, our team dropped the ball. I've stepped in and I've given a personal apology. But moreover than that, he's encouraged the team. So the team put their hands up and admitting that, you know, I didn't quite get it right, learn from it. Um, and so that, that's, that's a big thing because it helps build our, our trust nowadays. Um, so if you are a personal brand or if you're running a business, then hold your hand up. You know, I, I cocked up. Yeah, I, I made a mistake. What can I do to put it right? Or even better, work out what your recovery contingency action plan is and tell the client, I fucked up. This is what we're going to do about that. Is that okay? Is there anything else you would like us to consider or do or something that we haven't demonstrated? Yeah. 
it works and genuinely it's one of the best things by the way i've just realized that we're at the one of my favorite points of the show we kind of covered some of the stuff i really want to get your opinion on this i actually get your idea so are you a movie guy or book guy what's your or both i'm actually quite poor at both but um try, try me with the films but uh, yeah i i tend to be very selective in terms of what we, we spend our time viewing you know, it tends to be appointment to view stuff that's so we tend to get to gauge out, go gouge out in, you know, um, you know, four series of one program and just watch it from start to finish. Yeah. I mean, that's basically the way that we do it anyway. Like you find what it is that you like. So my question for you personally is uh, if you were to recommend five books and five movies or TV shows that people should watch from the perspective of like, I just think that you guys should really watch them because it's beneficial to you. What would they be? Oh, wow. What a really good question. Um, in no particular order. No. I love the series, the TV series Suits. Now, it's a personal love of mine mm-hmm. because there are so many lessons, even the stuff we've been talking about today. There are lessons in there, the psychology, the way to get people to make decisions, how to treat people or how not to treat people, how to, how to be honest, how to not lie or to own your errors. There's, there's, there's so many things I could talk to. So I love Suits. Quick question before we jump on past that, because I do have a small story which I will share with you because it will make you guys laugh. Um, but real quickly, who would you say I was in Suits? And there is there is a reason. <laughs> wow. Yeah, if you were to oh. equate a character to me, who would Jesus. you go with? I don't know. We're well, definitely not Harvey. But you're kind of not Mike either. I'm and kind you're... of a mix between the two, which is yeah. really weird. Yeah. And the reason yeah. I bring... Go hmm. No, you were saying? I was going to think about whether they're women characters. Um, I have a little Donna in me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Donna from the savviness point of view, yeah, and they actually, I'm really smart. You may not think I look so smart, but I know my shit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I can break it down. So like Mike, from what I remember, it's the quick-witted, I kind of got this, but still very, very, very green at times with like trying to handle my confidence. And he did all of his research. That too. Um, (laughs) eidetic memory because i do actually do have an eidetic memory like a lot of people don't know i do have a almost a photographic memory uh in so many areas the other is the harvey it's the smooth selling part that's where the harvey comes in now the reason i bring this up is because one of my best friends of 20 years altaf shout out to him um this is a couple of years ago it's 2018 february the 10th the date actually it's february 9th it was my dad's birthday uh 2018 I went home to see my parents. Altaf was there because he's basically like my brother. So of course he was going to be there for my dad's birthday. We go up, uh, I'm upstairs talking to my dad. I come down the stairs and uh, my mother looks at me and she goes, wow, you're right. I was like, what? She goes, you are an asshole. And I was like, what? So I'm like completely lost. I have no idea what's going on. Turns out Altaf had been showing my mom the entirety of like the best clips of Harvey and Mike in season one suits. And essentially, that's why she was like, you are, yeah. She goes, my son is an asshole. I love him. He's a lovable asshole. And I was like, thanks, mom. It's the best testimonial ever. Oh, dear. Yeah. Wow. I kind of, I'm, I'm, every time I talk to you, I learn some new little insight. It kind of makes me kind of, okay, paradigm shift. Okay. <laughs> um, so, so what else? Um, books. Um, being, being serious about kind of really good learning stuff. Um, Maxwell Maltz, M-A-L-T-S, mm-hmm. Psycho, Cybernetics, version one. Ooh, that's what's going Version one. Yep. I was somebody that I've, I've, I've loved working with for years. Um, 
um, who kind of really helped me in kind of the last uh, five to 10 years. Um, she gifted me the hardbound copy of Cyber Cybernetics. It's one of the few books I don't read that much. It's one of the few books I've read two and a half times. And I've got it in audio book and I listen to it. God knows how many times because there's so much there that is just rehashed today. But, you know, go to the original. Um, if you get the audio book, you can hear the original voice as well. Um, there's so much in there about. So the guy that wrote it, you know, this I know this was a plastic surgeon. But what he learned was that even if you if you uh, give someone plastic surgery to improve their looks, it's what they think about themselves and how they perceive themselves. So one of the big things out of there that even so Dan Kennedy actually did a second version, you know, adaptation of it, which is another good version and things like the visioning. OK, picture the outcome, vision that. And there's so many parallels that can be drawn. People that have been in war zones or prisoners of you know, um, captives. Yeah, how do you get through these difficult situations? And one of the stories was uh, a guy used to think about playing golf. Yeah, playing golf because you kind of move yourself out of the position. So there is a real big lesson in that. Just one tiny example about how you can visualize back to, you know, what you're trying to do as a business. I'm trying to get to this point. If you visualize your outcome, um, I like using the analogy of um, you're on your journey from point A to point B. Imagine you're in a yacht. I, I don't sail, right? But mm -hmm. you go with the wind, and as long as you're heading towards that direction, the wind can blow you slightly off course. Yeah. So you tack from left to right or starboard to port, whatever the phrase is. As long as you're still going in the right direction and you've set your objective and you set your mindset and you've set your business plan towards that point B, you can get there. Back to your ups and downs of an entrepreneur. And there's loads of good stuff like that in, in cyber, cyber psycho, psycho cybernetics. Um, so that is a, is a book I highly recommend to anybody. You know, if you don't, if you, you know, if you can get past the kind of the original text in terms of some of the dated, dated um, uh, examples in there, then that's great. Um, as I say, it's just been, you know, in the last five years, I think Dan Kennedy's done an update. So I highly recommend cyber, cybernetics. That's really good. Um, the other one is uh, something I've come to more recently called the big leap. Um, yep. I forgot Gay for Hendricks. a moment. Um, Gay Hendrix. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So I've listened to that twice now on audiobooks because that's how I consume books, by the way, you know, because yep. I can be doing other stuff like, I don't know, decorating or writing stuff out. Um, that's another good one because it's all about, you know, understanding your own limitations and it's okay to have limitations, but it's understanding that you don't have to um, live with, with what you currently think your limitations are. So that's another good example. Um, other other TV series, um, person of interest. You know, not that many people know about it, but um, great, great show. So criminally underrated. And yes, Bill Pullman's. What was it? Bill Pullman or Bill Paxman? Uh, Paxman, I think. Yeah, um, one I of forget. his last shows they did was brilliant. Yeah, so that because it's got intrigue and it is kind of it's got some can look at it nowadays bloody conspiracy theories and all the rest of it. It's absolutely on the money. So mm -hmm. it's it's amazing. So there are a couple of my faves. Um, we still love watching um, Back to the Future series one, two, three. Watch them together back to back because it's just it's a release. It's it's comedy and uh, just uh, the whole scripts flow so well. It's a really good story. You know, you, you and I have talked before about like the hero's journey. Uh, good films have a really good plot based upon the hero's journey. Indeed they do. I mean, we've got to like look at uh, Star Wars as a classic example of this. Yes, yeah, back to kind of the, the Yoda versus, uh, versus Luke, who's who? <laughs> 
So that just a few examples. Um, I kind of struggled to kind of think about other ones because, uh, as I say, I, I tend to kind of pick a few um, rather than actually consume lots and lots and lots. I'm, I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm not very. Good. One of my bad disciplines is I don't give myself time to sit down and read. I don't have an hour a day. A lot of people I know are very good at that discipline. I'm. I'm very ill-disciplined when it comes to that sort of stuff um that's because i tend to flit around and i love getting involved in lots of different projects so i, I tend to you know be an excitable bunny that's the best way to be to be fair i i totally get you on that one i have uh <laughs> what's the exact words so i got diagnosed with adhd just a couple of weeks ago like maybe a month a month and a half ago and the actually it was a month ago What's really interesting about that is that my brain cannot under any circumstance, I, I just don't understand people who can be like, I'm going to read every book under the sun. I'm like, I have 15 books on my desk that I want to read. I'm like, how am I going to find time for you? I mean, I can find time. It's just at the same time, I don't want to. And again, that all comes down to like internal structures and stuff that we can look at later on down the line. But I do like your recommendations. I'm going to throw two more book. Rec I'm going to throw a book recommendation and a movie recommendation that you might like. Okay. Yeah, cool. Actually, movie-wise, uh, what would you say is your genre? Uh, probably uh, more sci-fi thriller type. Okay. Um, love all the action films as well. So I'm I'm a I'm a real geek for things like uh, all the Marvel comic films because John it's Wick. Yes, seen it, like it, loved Absolutely. all three. But here's the movie. That's not the movie I'm going to recommend. The movie I'm going to recommend is the number twenty-three. No, I'm not familiar with that at all. Jim Carrey is a freaking acting legend yeah. in that movie. Uh, I'm not giving anything away, but it is so well done. It's a great psychological thriller. I watched it in 2003, 2007, sorry. The other one that's kind of, this movie gets a lot of crap. I still really enjoyed it. I have to go revisit it to make sure if it's a good movie before I go ahead and recommend it. I'm going to recommend it anyway, and that is The Butterfly Effect with Ashton Kutcher. Yes, I really enjoyed that movie back in the day because it's dark, psychological, psychological thriller. I really enjoyed like plays on consequence theory quite a lot and chaos theory, which is lovely. Um, and the book recommendation is Green Light by Matthew McConaughey. Oh, no. Again, not, not got a that. A lot of people gave him stick for that. And I got to tell you, it's one of my favorite books of 2020. You say Green Light? Green Lights. Yeah. Green Lights. Yeah. So if you just go on uh, Audible yeah. and just type in Matthew McConaughey, the actor, he actually reads the book as well for 6 hours and 45 minutes okay. or 47 minutes. You know that guy's got a very smooth southern drawl, so it's just perfect to listen to. Um, Let me look yeah. another couple of films. Um, yeah, go on, one please. film. Um, the Illusionist. Oh, yes, I have. Good, sir. Yes, yeah. I have. The Illusionist is, is brilliant. I'd also say The Prestige is on that list. Y yes, absolutely with you on that. Uh, yeah. The Prisoners is another one, by the way. No, not familiar with that one. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, Hugh Jackman. Great. Oh, yeah. Movie. Just brilliant combination there. Um, very thriller-esque. Again, the other one is... Um, this isn't a movie, and it's based on real life, but it's a really good documentary. It's the documentary on Richard Ramirez, The Night Stalker. If Because the reason I bring that up is because it gives you an idea of how people think and how the psychology plays out. So very, very powerful in the way that things yeah. work. And of course, for me personally, like um, to give you guys an idea on how you can turn this stuff into like money and advertising and stuff is you can watch something like this. And I got this idea from John Carlton years ago. And he actually said, he goes, becoming a copywriter will ruin everything you do. 
you will never be able to not enjoy something. You'll never yeah, be able to enjoy something. Yeah, you just analyze it. Yeah, because people think I watch movies all day and I hang out and whatever. Guys, even when I'm even when I'm like high off my gourd and just chilling out watching a movie, believe it or not, I'm analyzing every scene. Like I'm analyzing camera angle, why it worked, what happened, why is this a good story, why is it a bad story. People love Wonder Woman, by the way. It's like my most controversial opinion is I really, really disliked Wonder Woman. I walked out of the theater twice. Like you I watched, put yourself through it twice. I, I thought it was a bit naff. But, it um, was naff. It was a shitty Captain give, America. Give give me a Ridley Scott cinematic oh. piece of brilliance. One, one of his most underrated, criminally underrated movies, and you don't watch the theater cut, you get the director's cut, Kingdom of Heaven. Yes, seen it. Such a beautiful movie. And by the way, historically accurate. One of the very few historically accurate movies that doesn't portray our heroes or our villains as... Um, like, oh, the Middle Easterners, they're terrible. Screw them. No, it's actually very accurately portrayed in history. There's like very few inaccuracies, which is nice. Yeah, but visually, I love that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Visual- oh, that's great. I'll check a few of those out. Thank you, my friend. I, I, I've already just said that. Now I'm already thinking, man, I should really watch Kingdom of Heaven again because that movie's just so brilliant. It's a four-hour movie, but definitely worth every, every moment of it. Um, but guys... Please go find Rob on Facebook, Rob Waddell. Uh, so it's facebook.com forward slash Rob dot W A double D E double L dot one. It's in the picture down the bottom left. Yeah. That or that bottom left. I'm not sure what's showing on the screen. One of those. One of those. It's that. <laughs> um, or find me on LinkedIn. Uh, yeah. Same name on LinkedIn. So yeah, uh, yeah chill. And, and on my Facebook profile, there's a link to a, a, a scheduler. Um, if you need some, you know, some help, some guidance, I generally find I can you know, normally find one or two key action points people can take to improve their marketing effectiveness. That's kind of like the simple pitch. Yeah, it's just really, really simple. And as I said, as you guys have had, this guy's got insane levels of experience and understanding, and he will probably trigger a couple of ideas for you. So, guys, go check them out. Insane, right? <laughs> nearly, t- nearly twice my experience and older than me as a human. So I cut all the grey hair off last week as well. <laughs> that's how you did it. I knew you cut your hair. I, like, I used to have hair like yours. Not quite, but... Uh, okay. Probably better, to be fair. Guys, go check it. Go find Rob. Have fun with the show. Rate, review, subscribe. Have yourself an amazing weekend. And I'll see you guys next week. Take care, guys. Take care. Bye.